is said towards the end of the game, Bastion, a vibrant and affecting action role-playing game. This quote, without context, makes little sense to those who have not played and enjoyed the game. To those that have, you know the weight those words carry. There are two major choices you have to make at the end of the game, and I feel that they are some of the most difficult choices to make in gaming history. But more on that later. Oftentimes, I like to ease you into the topic of the episode with a fictional intro inspired by the game. This episode, I want to jump straight into Supergiant Games' first game, which ended up becoming one of my all-time favorite games. If you have never heard of Bastion, then this episode will be a treat for you. You play as the Kid, a character that manages to survive the apocalyptic calamity. The Kid wakes up, on a fractured piece of the city of Cylondia, to a ravaged world that has affected the animal and plant life of the world and buildings that have been reduced to rubble. He begins to make his way to the bastion, a structure of every citizen of Cylondia is supposed to go to in times of trouble. When he reaches the bastion, he meets a man named Rux, who ends up instructing him and narrating the game for the player. He instructs the kid to collect cores, for they will power Cylondia. From there, the game and the story take off. Bastion was created over a two-year period by Supergiant Games' team of seven people. They split the creation location between New York and San Jose, California. Amir Rao was the director of Bastion, and Gavin Simon was one of two producers. He was the developer of gameplay. They both previously worked at Electronic Arts together, both being involved with the Command and Conquer series. They decided to quit their jobs together in 2009 and move into the same house in order to work on their first game, which ultimately became Bastion. Greg Kasavin, who was previously the site director and executive director for GameSpot for over 10 years, wrote the narration for Bastion. The narration was handled by Logan Cunningham, a voice actor who has lent his voice to many game series, including all three of Supergiant Games' entries, Bastion, Transistor, and Pyre. Andrew Wang, previously having worked on Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2, assisted Gavin in the gameplay development after being brought onto the team at Supergiant Games. 
Gen Z was brought onto Supergiant Games to be the art director, having previously worked as a freelance artist. Last but not least, Darren Korb was the mind behind the sound and music production of Bastion, as well as Transistor and Pyre. The game was entirely funded by the team. Amir and Gavin both have stated that they started this project because they wanted to be able to develop at their speed and try new ideas without the constraints of a bigger studio. The first nine months of the game's development was spent creating and trying out new ideas before ultimately deciding on the game's design. As the kid maneuvers through the world, the ground comes from below and appears ahead of the kid. This was intentional in order to forego using a map to navigate each level. The ideology behind the idea was to allow players to know where they had and hadn't gone easily. It also allowed them to portray the shattered landscape the player encounters through each level. The fractured world afforded them the opportunity to show the sky, which would normally prove difficult from an isometric view. Jen masterfully painted a world that showed beauty despite post-apocalyptia shadowing the kid's every move, electing to hand-paint in order to dull the sharp edges that often permeate a game shot from isometric view. Z has stated that she drew inspiration from Japanese isometric games and pixel art landscapes. Towards the beginning of the creation process, the team were throwing ideas around on how to best tell the history of what led to the calamity and the world before calamity struck. The narrator was the idea that came to them early on, as he would be able to allow the player to simultaneously play through the game while also learning about the background. They decided to make the narrator speak in short phrases and giving long breaks in between in order to avoid slow pacing. As the player begins to hear more and more stories from the narrator, he feels like an old friend or a respected and well-known storyteller, which is exactly what the team was going for. During the time of development, Bastion was featured in a video series called Building the Bastion, where they detailed early concepts, the process of creating the game, and interviews. This series was done in collaboration with former co-workers of Kasavans from GameSpot at Giant Bomb. They went through multiple iterations of the game. They first debuted it March 2010 at the Game Developers Conference. It was an unplayable version, and it unfortunately did not receive much attention. However, after the September 2010 Penny Arcade Expo, where they showed a playable version, it started to garner more attention. Their strongest showing was at the March 2011 Game Developers Conference, returning one year later to blow the socks off of everyone. Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment was impressed enough to sign on for publication and distribution of Bastion, figuring it easier to sign with a publisher rather than doing it by themselves. The team partnered with one to help with the process of getting Xbox Live certified. Darren Korb was selected to work on the audio of the game, being a childhood friend of Amir Rao. Bastion was actually the first game 
that Korb ever worked on, having only worked on movies and TV shows before. He was working on the sound early on in the project. A few of the pieces that he had created were actually completed before the levels that they were paired with. Korb has described the music style as acoustic frontier trip-hop, which I think is aptly named. Oftentimes, when I was playing and listening to the music, I was reminded of the TV show Firefly with Western Fields. In New York City, Korb recorded the music in a closet in his apartment, along with the 3,000-plus narration lines from Cunningham and the sound effects. There were four songs on the soundtrack that included vocals. All of the lyrics were written by Korb. Initially, there were no plans to release the soundtrack for purchase. However, due to many fan requests, Korb released a digital version August 5, 2011, and a physical version September 2, 2011. Bastion was first released on Xbox Live Arcade July 20, 2011, and later on Windows via Steam August 16, 2011. Later, it was released for Google Chrome as a browser game on December 9, 2011. A version for Mac eventually was made available on April 26, 2012. One of my favorite parts of the game is the one-liners from Rux, the narrator. It was brilliant and often made me chuckle or pulled me further into the story. The first time I let myself become distracted by smashing the environment around me, I was surprised to the point of laughter when I heard, the kid just rages for a while. It was light-hearted, and it further made the narrator feel like a familiar soul, as I discussed before. Next, please enjoy the interview I did with Greg Kasavin, the writer for Supergiant Games and the writer of Bastion. Okay, this is Shay um, with Evoking the Sublime podcast. Um, this episode, we are going to feature the game Bastion by Supergiant. And this is a game that came out um, back in 2011, and I'm really excited to talk about this game. I am joined here today by the writer of Bastion, Transistor, and Pyre, uh, Greg Kasavin. How are you doing today, Greg? Hello, doing well. It's good to. It's, it's <laughs> going to be. It's going to be fun talking about. Uh, yeah, the good old days and d- uh, digging into what what we did <laughs> with Bastion. It's it's been fun to reflect on uh, yeah. recently. Yeah, the game is the game is like to add a little bit, hopefully to boost your ego a little bit. It's a phenomenal game. I still like. I still talk about this game with friends all the time. I actually still bump the soundtrack from time to time on awesome. my old iPod Classic. It's just that game is timeless to me. So I'm really so excited much. to talk about it today. Yeah, we um, <laughs> as you, you can as you can imagine, we're you know team of seven people at the time and it was our it was our first game as a little uh independent studio and we had we had high hopes for it of course we we gave it everything we had and for my part it was the first game i've ever had a chance to work on in in that capacity like as a as a writer creative director um so yeah we gave it everything we've got but that doesn't mean you know Everybody works hard. Um, everybody puts their best <laughs> into their video games. So the fact that Bastion 
has sort of like stood that that folks like you still remember it fondly after all these years really really uh, means a lot i'm 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 really uh glad that uh, obviously that we were able to make it happen um and it it allowed us to yeah stick together work on a couple other games after that over the years and so yeah i just yeah i don't think a day goes by that i uh, personally am not like thankful for my experience working on on that game um so and and so yeah thanks to you as well for remembering it fondly looking forward to digging into (laughs) some of the details yeah yeah that's that's really awesome to hear that like you can look at it in retrospect and still be absolutely thankful for that because i think some people like when maybe with like some bigger companies they might lose sight of that but that's cool you guys being such a small studio that you can just remember that so fondly and just kind of remember your roots where you came from and where you're yeah. going. Yeah. Essentially. Cause you, you know, you guys it, have made some awesome games too. Th- th- um, subsequently. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been, um, we, we almost think of ourselves like, a yeah, we've made a different game each time, but since it's been the same core group of people the entire time, it's almost like we just keep trying to push each other, push ourselves out of our like kind of creative comfort zone with each game and just sort of find our, place in all this with our work and 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 it almost i think our favorite analogy is like oh maybe we're kind of and and this this comes from us working like a few of the folks i work with are actually musicians so it's not totally a pompous analogy but they're like oh we're kind of like a band because we're just kind of sticking together and you know trying to do trying to do new stuff and and people will regard our different games differently but hopefully they'll be able to look back on on the sort of the sum total of it and find it to be interesting and worth worth people's while certainly for us it's been yeah the time goes by really fast um but yeah we i think we all look those of us who were around for the bastion days look look back on it fine fondly um it was a lot of is a lot of hard work and late nights and that sort of thing but you don't i i think that that aspect you don't you know that aspect starts to fade from memory and it's important not to let it fade from memory entirely because we have to like find ways to work um in a in a manner that we could kind of keep doing in a sustainable way because the way we were working in the bastion days is not the way that we can work now um um with it being a kind of crazy uh startup company type of mindset but um we're we're still yeah um like like you said it's it's cool that we're we're all still quite close to it for sure yeah yeah i love that i and i actually i love that analogy because like i think that's a that's exactly right like i'm a, i'm pretty fond of music and yeah one of my favorite things to see is kind of like a progression of yeah. a particular music um artist you know like they they start and like they're they're super hungry they want to make like that punchy wonderful album right out the gate and then they kind of have to sustain that with their own style but they want to evolve and progress and i think that's exactly like if you look from the beginning from bastion to transistor to pyre it's absolutely that each each work of art is its own entity yet it still has that feel of um super giant between each of the three titles 
it's 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 really interesting because they are such vastly different games yet they still have that kind of signature feel there yeah yeah thank you we we've we sort of like you know some of that of course is some of that is intentional but some of it i think is pretty subconscious and 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 just kind of the result of it it just simply being like the same people working together um um but we it's been really interesting for us as a team to sort of come to grips with that because when we and and we we you know we'll spend more time talking about bastion than than transistor here but as we approached transistor and we decided to make you know a whole new game instead of instead of like a sequel to bastion or something like that we were so uh concerned that transistor feel like its own distinct thing not feel like bastion um that we and i think over time we've sort of like gotten more gotten more of a sense for how to how to even um how how to find that balance appropriately um where it, we're more comfortable with with the games we make actually feeling like it comes from us whereas for for a while on transistor we're like oh my god this feels like one of our games but it's like wait a minute people like our games like we should be a little bit careful about going kind of so far away um from from what yeah. it is that people might have enjoyed that that it might it might feel almost like alienating to to people that we actually really care about mm. like we want to make we hope that every game we ever work on that that folks who enjoyed bastion back in the day that they would love that game whatever it may be because uh, we feel like um the sort of people who played bastion in the first place like there are people who are willing to take a chance on something kind of inherently because you know it's not a it's not the 10th installment in a you know long running series of games like it's not the safest like place to put your time and money as far as games go it's kind of you're kind of like rolling the dice on some random independent game even if you've heard it's good or something like that um so we think that our players are like amenable to to new things and that's given us i think the confidence we've really needed to be able to kind of keep going and keep trying new stuff and stretch stretch our own wings um kind of as far as they're as far as they're going to go with with transistor and then with uh, with pyre and whatever whatever lies ahead i think i think that's interesting yeah because especially with bastion that was your guys's first game and you all actually had like you were all involved kind of in the gaming medium or the gaming world but you guys just started a brand new company from vastly different positions in my opinion so yeah. was there ever like a a point where you and and the team just kind of felt like what the hell are we doing we just left our stable jobs for a huge level of uncertainty with uh i i think for sure that happened uh, a lot in the early days um so the the co-founders of of supergiant are um amir rao and gavin simon uh, and they i worked with them mm-hmm. at electronic arts in los angeles and we all left ea uh in like in the summer of 2009 uh and and amir and gavin you know basically moved into amir's dad's house which was vacated at the time and just started started working on a video game and there was some impression of there there was not that much of an there was not that much of a specific idea of what the game was going to be there was like a broad sense of what it might be like 
um, and a mindset around how the studio would work, that it would be a small studio and, and you know, its values would be these sorts of things. Like, it would be about how we could work together, um, not about, but not super specific about what we were going to make. Um, so they were definitely flying by the seat of their pants um, in, in the early months. <laughs> um, but the opportunity, yeah. the, the, the kind of, the circumstances and the opportunity were there for them to, to try it. Um, and it, it, it just felt we, because at the time we were also like really inspired by some of what was already happening among smaller independent games. There were these games like Braid and uh, Castle Crashers and Plants vs. Zombies, um, uh, World of Goo. So they were these games made by, you know, like three, five people, something like that, 10 people, tops maybe. Um, and we we're, were at EA, we're working on a team of like, that peaked at greater than 100 people and seeing these wow. much smaller games and really finding them really inspiring. They felt so pure. They felt like uh, their creators were like, had something to say, had a point of view on things. And you could just sort of feel, you could feel the personal touch in, in those games. And, and we, um, yeah, we found that, that idea really inspiring and wanted to see what we could do uh, ourselves. If we could make something that kind of was worth people's time to play and could could feel personal that way uh and and that the pe- those of us working on it could s- sort of really put ourselves into the work as much as as much as possible um and 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 yeah, yeah. bastion became that thing for us um it, it's it's it, we're yeah like like i said before very very grateful that it that it worked out uh, absolutely i think i think you know i i don't want to be too uh dismissive of the actual like work that we put in but certainly we i think we were quite fortunate uh at sort of being in the right place at the right time with it because there are certain windows of opportunity in the game industry when i think it's just like easier for smaller games to get noticed um and and it's harder these days i think for a small team uh, to to make an impact um so i'm glad we were able to do it when we did and all that stuff yeah that's that's true. And I like first off, I think that you guys absolutely succeeded with what your goal was to kind of Yeah, absolutely just push yourselves out the gate and kind make your mark in both telling enrapturing story being a small studio. I think that absolutely worked out. And it's interesting that you point out that it was easier then because I think like you had mentioned the other indie games that was around the time when indie games like really started taking off and yeah. really started being popular. And I think a big part part of that was um the um Xbox Live arcade yep. was so big and integral for that with Braid and Castle Crashers. They they weren't the yeah, first exactly. indie games, of course, but but they were definitely I think the like two of the ones that really showed people Hey, indie games can be made and they can be popular and they can be financially successful yeah. at the end of the day. That's right. And then there they, was like Super they, Meat Boy and Limbo. And okay. yeah, it was this whole era where um, it was like an eye opening experience, I think, both for game players where they would experience these games. You know, they buy them for 15 or 20 bucks. So it's a fraction of the price of like a big AAA game and go, wow, this is this is amazing. You know, it may not 
yes. be fancy in the way like a Grand Theft Auto game is fancy, but as an experience, this is really one of a kind. So it's amazing for players, and then it was eye-opening for the um, you know for developers in the industry as well because they're like, wait a minute, I don't need to think about games in terms of like what do I have to put in like a sixty dollar uh, box in Walmart. Like you can actually, you know, what if you could make something smaller, more compact and just sell it digitally? And it turns out, you know, there's a willing audience for that sort of thing. So it was a really, um, yeah, I mean, now that we have a few years to look back on it, it really was kind of, I, I mean, in a lot of ways, I think we're still in that same era. But yeah, it's kind of this almost this kind of like renaissance period for smaller developers, just so much creative stuff. Uh, happening so quickly and the and the boundaries of what a game can be just like expanding very rapidly like people's assumptions yeah. about the the entire sort of format of what a video game can be uh constantly being challenged in in uh, really interesting ways so great time for for games as a whole i agree with that it was for me exploring a lot of those games i actually found honestly that the story was more focused and it was easier to digest in a positive way during that time like you had mentioned for example limbo and braids two of those games are have very different narratives and like with like with bastion as well it has a very different narrative they each tell a very different story and because they are um they're more compact games that I think that it was really effective and you're not left with the possibility like a trip triple a title like a big name title of there kind of being fluff or there yeah. being some filler in the game it's just you have to hit these points you have to hit them quickly because the game isn't as big it isn't as there isn't as much money put into that game so I th I think that really worked to its benefit during that time and actually with the story one of my questions for you was what was the inspiration for wanting to make bastion an integrating story for the player oh yeah rather than wanting the player to feel like they were watching the story because when you're playing yeah of course the narrator's telling you exactly what you're doing and it actually draws you and pulls you into the game, and it makes you feel like, in a way, you are the kid. What was the inspiration for that? Yeah, it was... It, I, I think, like, we we knew really early on that we wanted, like, nar narrative, in, and that's a loaded term, but we wanted narrative to be a big part of what we were going to do. We felt we had... Um, and this is something I, I use we, you know, to refer to the team as a whole. Uh, and a lot of this is my own personal feeling as well. So maybe I should just speak more personally here. Um, I It's something I was personally very interested in as someone who'd been writing professionally for, for quite some time. Because I, I used to work in the gaming press and stuff like that. and really, But really wanted to write for games and had uh, strong feelings on what effectively told stories can do for games um and and just have always been fascinated in the sort of unique properties of games as a storytelling medium like the ability to interact in games as a as a 
really powerful component of of how stories can be told um obviously you know reading books or watching movies that's a form of interaction as well but it's not it's not the same as like actually you know making decisions in a game world um so we we also felt that like so some of it came from this kind of personal interest right of just believing that i like i want to work on a story that's worth a damn that is just like first and foremost at the at the heart of it there was also a part of it that was like us thinking about how like what are our only hopes of survival as like a team trying to make a like a small team trying to make a game and we wanted to make an action rpg like like say you know where with a prototypical example being like a diablo 2 or something like that and we're like well we love diablo 2 but we ain't making diablo 2 because <laughs> that game has like millions of weapons whatever seven playable character classes like online multiplayer you know like thousands of hours of gameplay we are definitely not equipped to make a game that's comparable to that so the narrative of our game can not only sort of distinguish it from other action RPGs, but it can also like explain away all the many reasons why we're going to make on paper, a really half-assed action RPG (laughs) with one character, you know, six hours of gameplay, no multiplayer, all these things that, that seem like they would totally condemn this game to just, you know, trash tier, just don't even play this yeah. but it's like well what if you were the only survivor of this world then then you're not going to expect other playable characters uh and things like right. that and it's actually some of it is born of necessity in that um in that respect um some of the details but um and then there 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 like the kind of there are many inspirations for the content um it, you know the substance of the story itself um some of it was just like stylistic inspiration we we um one of the early ideas is like when we're we kind of already had a sense of the kind of story it would be that it was going to be about you know is, is trying to restore this world after after some sort of like just destruct just some far-reaching catastrophe and now you're trying to piece the world back together but we were still trying to find out what the kind of the tone and the flavor of it was going to be and and we we amira and i uh, started talking about this idea of like um cormac mccarthy making little you know zelda style games instead of writing these like southern gothic instead of writing you know the road and all the pretty horses and stuff like that so we like this sort of fantasy frontier vibe to the work but sort of mixed with superficially this kind of zelda style you know this kind of breezy we wanted the game to have this like breezy looking quality so it's very it's very colorful you pick up and start playing just kind of bash stuff and it's and it's all good and then like the sort of um the weight of the story uh gradually starts to sink in um almost unexpectedly so we were interested in in aspects like that how it could sort of like that we would play with the narration in that way until, um, you know, at first you think it's like a play-by-play announcer, but gradually you realize there's much more going on with this character and that there's a, there's a real story here. Um, and that, that really helped to make, to, to make the narration for us real, not just like a gimmick. It was just like, he always had to be saying something that 
that the player couldn't observe on their own so that 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 made it that made writing for the character um possible i would say instead of just having to like regurgitate what was happening on the screen which would get boring quickly probably yes. repetitive so yeah that's yes. all that's a whole bunch of stuff about our our mindset kind of going into the story of of bastion that makes perfect sense i i love that i love that that choice was made because it keeps the pacing so like the pacing is so well done in this game just between you playing and the narration happening uh with the narrator it it just keeps the game going at a very steady pace and like you said at the beginning the narrator is just kind of saying what the kid is doing and then it becomes so much more than that and then you can even there are sequences in the game for uh, the listeners who may not have played this game before later on you can go into um the bastion itself and you can go and play these kind of little side challenging missions which as you're doing them they the narrator provides backstory as well so you can integrate yourself further if you so choose to get more of the story and it just it it's just i i can't explain i can't quite put it in the words just the pacing is so well done in this game because of how the story is told and both the choice to put that narrator in there and i another thing that you brought up that i actually was curious about that i didn't write down but i'm going to ask now is the the whole post apocalyptia feel mm-hmm. because i think during this time it's also when we started to kind of see a huge influx of that into both the gaming and actually like the movie medium as well i remember like you're saying with the road there was the book of eli fallout is when that started becoming popular around that time a lot of um a lot of the different mediums started really infusing post-apocalyptia into the into their games and into their movies so it's interesting to hear you mention cormac mccarthy um, who wrote The Road, as kind of one of the slight inspirations for that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Were, were there other inspirations in there as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I find, I do personally find, like, post-apocalyptic stories uh, compelling. I love, uh, like, the Fallout series. Uh, the original Fallout is one of my all-time favorite games, and I, like, as a growing up uh or you know these days whatever fear i i love the movie the road warrior and stuff like that so i think i think that there is a not uncommon uh obsession fascination that some people have with the end of the world and what would happen um and and also but for us it was this desire to like to tell kind of like an anti-apocalyptic story because the traditional apocalyptic story is just about bleakness and despair um and and even like cormac mccarthy like the road is a deeply there there's a lot of humanity in the road but it's a deeply bleak story um and we're like our 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 sort of twist on the cormac mccarthy tone was like we're gonna take the evil out like evil itself was destroyed in the apocalypse and all that remains is just kind of like it's it's a new it's a new beginning now um and and the people who remain 
um, are fundamentally good to each other and well-intentioned. Um, and, and I think it, in my own work as a, you know, as I mentioned, it's the first time I, I got to work on a story like that sort of, sort of complete of my own invention, um, and, and execute on it. And I'm someone whose own day-to-day worldview, I would say is not the most optimistic. Okay. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but I found, I discovered, um, to like thankfully that that my all of my instincts while while writing in a, in a more kind of like whatever cre- while writing fiction all of my instincts are to drive toward a sense of uh there there's our games aren't like happy go lucky i would say but there's there's always a sense of optimism there it always has to be about like believing in the in the fundamental goodness of of people and not the opposite um, I, I really, and so for, for myself, it was almost this kind of like cathartic experience of realizing like, I, I'm not, um, that I, that I myself, you know, have, can have more sort of, uh, can have more of an optimistic outlook on things than I might normally expect. Um, and Bastion just had to be about that. It had to be about how these characters could find a way to move past their regrets and and everything that happened and and just find a way to move forward uh together ideally and and i think over time um you know that that's even like sort of reflected in our own our 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 team it, it's become a weird maybe not for all of us at supergiant but for me personally it's this kind of like wide i i i again i refer back to it because we as a team you know we've been through thick and thin over the years um cuz Game development is tough, and the industry is always changing, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we have to find ways to stick together and move forward, and trust each other, and all this stuff that I think it's reflected in our games. And so now, my own experience, like working with these people at Supergiant, becomes a pretty significant source of influence on the stories themselves. Um, yeah. So, it, and it, it becomes interesting to reflect on, and it becomes a version of you know the old adage of write what you know. And when you're writing these kind of make-believe worlds, you know, you're making them up. But the part that can be real about them is the part where there's like a, hopefully a sense of the, like a, a real sense of human experience in there somewhere. Something like that. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Honestly, oh, thanks. <laughs> I, that's one, no, that's one of the things I've wondered about Supergiant is just because you guys are a small company, it's, it's awesome that you guys have managed to you know keep your team intact yeah through all these years wanting to make games together because you you look at you kind of look at the gaming world and you look at these companies that go under or these companies that take a chance make a game it just doesn't work out or it's yeah. marketed poorly whatever happens and then they go under or people you know, have disagreements and companies split or someone leaves. But yeah. your company, Supergiant, pretty much fr- from what I, from everything I've read, almost everyone, if not everyone, who worked on Bastion is still around. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. That's, yeah, that's and correct. Like, that's incredible. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, all, all, all seven of the people I, I who. That. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's funny because, like I said, the time goes by really fast. So it doesn't. It doesn't feel like an achievement, but I think 
but but I agree with what you're saying that like given given everything it really is something that that um we i think we have to remind ourselves to be uh quite quite proud of but yeah all all seven of the people who worked on bastion we all work together on transistor we all work together on pyre and we're all you know still working together now on whatever it is that we're going to uh, come up with next um and and people's like the other thing uh, among the many kind of factors that you listed is just like life happens to people like over a 10 year the 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 average age of I I'm I'm the old man at Supergiant but the average age at Supergiant when it started was probably like a like early 20s I would say maybe mid 20s tops um and the difference between being 23 and 33 is that's a really significant chunk of your life um and you know the the kind of percentage of people at Supergiant who um now you know might might have someone else in their lives whereas they were single might have children now might have pets or something it's like people are in a really different stage of life on average than than back in those days so the part where we've managed to work all that stuff out while still making games together that's the part that um <laughs> impresses me personally because yeah. that's the part where it, it can really you know, life happens, and that could really throw a monkey wrench uh, into your plans. You know, no matter what your hopes and dreams may be, sometimes uh, uh, life just takes priority, um, and you have to set aside things that you might have really wanted to do and go take care of that business. So we're just really, really, I think, yeah, again, we feel incredibly fortunate that, that circumstances have even allowed for this to happen because with only seven people, it's just you know just one whatever you're just one kind of unlucky break away from from that not being the case anymore and we're so we're people i i talk about luck a lot and people are like oh it's you know some people say you know there's no such thing as luck it's all just opportunity i'm like dude it's luck like there there is actual <laughs> there's an actual thing of like bad things can just suddenly happen to people and when they yeah. if they don't happen to you for a long time count yourself lucky i do <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's my own you know i i try to be it, it's like we i think that's also part of why we have been willing to at least for my part it's like i want to i i like i like to work hard um because in part because i've I've had these jobs, whether it's like writing for GameSpot or working at Supergiant, where it's like, it's it's sort of objectively a dream. People, you know, consider these kind of dream job type scenarios, and and it turns out they're not. They're like harder than that, and it's not always pretty for sure. But it, but I still have. I'm we're like in an incredibly enviable position. So the least we could do is try not to squander that. Try to make the most of that. Um, and I work with these incredibly talented people, like like Jen who our art director and Darren our composer it's like uh, man I just want to do do my part I want to I want to you know uh, shoulder my own burden so that I I my work isn't like a yeah. complete <laughs> embarrassment next to the work <laughs> that they produce so that I I draw some motivation <laughs> no. and inspiration from from sources like that as well That's cool that's like to kind of go back to the previous analogy you made it's like being in a band and not feeling like you're the best musician in yeah. the room when you're playing together. No, for sure. Yeah, I don't know that. I I don't know that anybody. Yeah, I I think I think that we've definitely 
the thing that's like very real for each of us is that you know in our in our sort of like respective crafts you know darren as a musician or jen as as an artist or myself in a writing capacity it's like we all did this stuff before Supergiant, but together we have experienced a level of of success and and like a an audience size that we that we did not um achieve working on our own so we we really know that there's something incredibly powerful about the the team chemistry and through thick and thin because yeah we have our like so many of our decisions the the choices that we make on our games are actually born of like uh, of conflict of us not agreeing of us like talking through in great detail what are we doing why why don't we do this why don't we do that um before finally deciding and it's uh, because we have this like big this mix of personalities and different points of view that we arrive at the decisions that we eventually make um so our games are really not the product they, they really feel like they are from us uh collectively and not it, it's it's a weird it's a weird feeling for us as individuals because we have to like remind ourselves that we even though it's a small team i like have to remind myself that like yeah no i i worked on a lot of bastion i worked on a lot of you know transistor and pyre but it still <laughs> feels like it was made by by Supergiant, even though each individual contributes so much, um, if if that makes yeah. any sense, it's it's been a like I said, that's no, that been a strange experience. That makes perfect sense. That's yeah, cool. interesting. Actually, that brings me to one, another question for you specifically. You transferred from being kind of a director and editor um, at Gamespot to an actual game writer. Did you feel any added pressure to make kind of this? captivating story with bastion your first time out of the gate coming from that position to where you were starting out as a writer uh i mean i i think um i i felt a, I, i'm sure i felt a pressure um but i'd i'd done some i'd gotten to do some writing uh at electronic arts um and stuff like that so so the reason i got the shot at all was because yeah the you know these guys i'm working with amir and gavin they they knew they had seen some of my ability but mo- more importantly they knew of my desire to do it um and and so the the mix of knowing that i really wanted to do it um and the the evidence that i'd put forward that i seemed to have the capacity but it was still a much bigger i'd never yeah like you know with bastion it's coming up with the whole world and cast of characters and the story and all this stuff and i work closely with um <clears throat> with a mirror on the uh, Amir basically served as my my editor. I'd do the writing. We'd go back and forth on it and so on. We'd record it with Logan and get it in the game really fast. Um, I, I think that... I think I was, like, really... I, I was really fired up at that time. Uh, and I th- I, I'm glad I've been able to hang on to that. But th- that was my first... The idea that this was my... I was finally getting my shot. This This was it for me. Like, I, I had... I'd wanted to make games since I was a little kid and specifically in this capacity to like come up with the story, the, the, the world, the characters and like, here, well, here you go. Uh, don't, don't screw it up. Uh, and I, and I do derive motivation from this sort of like a negative. I, I actually do take motivation from sort of a negative place of like, well, don't the, don't screw it up. Uh, but with the F word, um, is kind of like a thing I tell myself. Um, but, but I'm just, I'm just trying to make something that makes 
that that feels like the way games I really love have made have made me feel. Um, so I, I I feel like I understand why those games worked for me, and just like try to work in the manner that that I imagine those games might have those stories and worlds might have might have come together. So I I wasn't like so so there was while there was pressure i i don't remember being super i wasn't like fearful i was like i was excited because this this was it this is finally my shot and i want to see what i can do and and part of what gave me some modicum of confidence about it was was just this i knew that i knew that we were trying to make a story that was like worth a damn um and i think just the act of choosing to make a story that is worth a worth a damn i think that alone is like a most games don't put that as a priority so i think i felt that just us making it a priority um alone was going to like make the ba- the the lo- give it a base level of quality that would be probably better than that of many games so it's like well it's not going to be that bad just because we're we're concentrating on it um and and i feel i feel that's true of just about anything in games like you just have to you're gonna you're gonna do a better job on the things you focus on on average so choose what you're gonna focus on carefully and and hopefully you make the right choices and then hopefully you execute well (laughs) that's 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 a bit (laughs) simplistic but um you know it's kind of uh, it's still kind of how i feel about uh, game development as a whole like the decisions that go into deciding what even to make and what you're going to put into it and all that stuff yeah yeah so just kind of the whole ideology of what you put in is what you get out of it and just that's it's cool to hear that for you it wasn't about proving t- as much to other people that you could do it as more it was to yourself and your younger self that at the end of the day, this is your opportunity to do what you've always wanted to do. It's either, you know, step up or miss out on that opportunity. It's cool that it was more about proving it to yourself than it was to proving it to other people. I I think that's true. It it was also like, I think, I think chiefly though, it's just about the, for me, it's like very much just about the player. It's not about, and that that's like our whole mindset with the story is like, this has to earn the player's attention and earn the player's interest. Um, We, we cannot go into this assuming that, you know, here's our magnificent story. Now, now, now you're riveted. It has to like, um, (laughs) That th- that's why it's a game. That's why when you play Bastion, there's like you go into the game settings. There's a volume slider, you know, for the voice. You you turn the narrator off, and it's a perfectly decent game. Um, if you don't hear any of Darren's music, don't hear any of Logan's narration. It's still a pretty cool game. Of course, you're missing out. I think on a lot of what makes it special. But we we don't we don't really like as long as people enjoy it. That's the thing with games. There's like a aspect of it as a game developer where you have to like let go you can't be too precious about it because the the player the player's the boss like they interact with it um you you can't 
you don't want to force them to play a certain way or like the game for certain reasons. Like you, you just hope that they enjoy it in in some. But like the exact reasons why the player you know enjoys or doesn't enjoy your game, it's really hard. Like no matter how much you play test it, it can be hard to truly know that until you put it out there in the wild. So, um, yeah, we we kind of the the narrative was very much for the sake of the play experience because again back to the part where like we were making on the face of it kind of like a bad action rpg from a feature standpoint like a really <laughs> limited game so so the story was going to be the way to um to have it feel like it meant something um whereas otherwise it would just be this like arc- this like shallow kind of arcade game and you you put it down and then it's done and we're like one of the things i would say is like we don't have multiplayer, but but the story like the story is our multiplayer. The story is our lasting value. The story is what's gonna. Yes. Y- you're done playing in your eight hours or something, but so so you know in your case, quite a bit of <laughs> lasting value, right? Here we are years later, and yeah. and it stuck with you. But like, yeah, I I feel that what sticks with you in games, it's like you don't remember, you know the fourth boss fight or whatever. You, you like you remember really specific details. Um, and and um, in games where the story is a strong part, you you may very well remember characters and how the story made you feel, some of the music and so on. So it was about like um, it, hopefully making a game that could leave a lasting impression in a positive way, and that's something that w- that's been our goal uh, with every game since. Like we want to make games that where where they they stick with you, but not but in a good way, you know. Hopefully, that's yeah. um, and that's again that's hard to predict with each individual, but at least um, we, there's no formula to it, but we think there are certain aspects and, and components of games that, that can like increase the chances of a game doing that for you. Yeah. I, I like that you guys kind of left it a little open because uh, conveniently enough, that was one of my, that was my last question yeah. for you is that you talk about you guys kind of wanting to leave it up to the player to glean what they do from the story and the two moral choices at the end of the game were particularly affecting for me when I played it the first time, because I struggled to make those choices and those choices when you make them without, I I, I don't want to entirely spoil it. I'll leave it a little bit vague, but the choices are kind of ambiguous at the end. They kind of leave it. You guys leave it open for interpretation of exactly what happens at the end. Like you guys nudge it in a certain way, but not to where the player just forms that idea. It's like, this is exactly what they're going for. Like people can still have that ability to discuss that. What, what, what went into that decision to kind of leave the end ambiguous or yeah, unfortunately I'm I'm sorry to say it's open-ended. No, right. The um so we wanted um we wanted the game to have a very a very strong sense of closure, but but we but I I definitely think that that can be achieved while at the same time leaving a level of openness uh as as you suggest. Um I think the openness is really important because it's it's very much in the spirit of making sure that the focus is the player's experience. So with something like with something like Bastion, there there there's been a lot of I'm sure you've seen this. There's a lot of debate over the years of like what is appropriate for for games. What is like the right 
game story. There are some games that have like no traditional narrative, but people are like, oh, no, this is still an amazing game from like a player story standpoint. Like uh, I play the game uh, Hearthstone, the card game, a lot. And and um, yeah, that's a game where game. there's a lot of there's a lot of player story there of like you talk about a, an amazing match you had and the crazy stuff that happened, but there's no like narrative in that match other than the narrative that you construct based on the cards that you play against each other. Whereas something like Bastion, um, you know, it's for the most part it's it's an authored story where all the all the voiceover someone you know, in my case, me, or in our case, me, someone wrote all that stuff, uh, but it could still kind of play out in a different order. So it's still, I think it's in this middle ground where, yes, it's an authored story. There is a theme behind it from my perspective, um, but it has a level of openness, both in the play experience where it's like this, uh, aspects of the narration are not completely linear and we wanted it to be highly reactive to the player in different ways. And then, you know, it would have to culminate in this ending that in in turn you could reflect on the experience you had you could reflect on your own values either in the game or or like in yourself in the world around you and using those values make a decision about what was important to you and and you know have that be manifest in the world of the game so with the with the choices the most important aspect was that they be totally sort of um, supportable uh, emotionally and rationally in in pretty equal measure. Like it couldn't come down to like any sort of like good ending, bad ending. This is the evil path. This is the good path. Uh, because that that's tying back to some of the stuff I was saying before. Like I just don't, I just don't like personally believe in that kind of evil where. People, people don't just walk around kicking puppies or whatever they and twirling their mustaches. <laughs> like people act, yeah. people act like based on what they believe to be their best. They, they try to act in a fashion. They act in a way that they tend to think is good. Um, they tr- or they try. Um, in general, so so it has to be that you're faced with this dilemma, and. Because that's what makes it true to life. Dilemmas in real life are like, damn it, this is hard. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, if if it if you're faced with you know helping a puppy find an owner or kicking the puppy, it's not a hard choice. It's like that's not interesting. <laughs> um, so an interesting right. dilemma is one where you're really caught between two perfectly reasonable kind of moral, emotional, whatever paths. So so that's so those are the types of choices we wanted to set up um one of the the first of those choices gave us our resolution to sort of the the antagonist character which which was really um important for us to have like we knew we didn't want the game to end with like a we wanted it to end in an almost sort of anticlimactic way like it couldn't end in some awesome you know showdown or something like that it was it would have been antithetical to the experience it had to end with like a human decision um, and then the ultimate choice at the end is is about kind of where the whole story was going in the and our sort of subversion of the save the world type of story. It's like, well, what are you? And it's and it's a story from my perspective about you know where where each of these characters is struggling with uh, feelings of regret and how or or struggling struggling may not describe all of them, but regret is very much uh, a theme 
uh, in Bastion, and the different characters in the world all have different points of view on it. So here's your chance now as the player to sort of come to grips with this and make a make a decision here. Um, and um, so it felt it felt true to where we were going with the story, and so I'm I'm we weren't we weren't sure how people were going to take it, uh, and and all that kind of stuff. So I'm really glad that it it did those moments did you know i've heard from enough people now over the years that i i feel really good that those moments did connect with people because for me for me they were so important and so personal but but when but when we're working on it we have no idea if other people yeah if it'll connect in that way but that's like that's one of the most rewarding aspects when you like when the thing that you put into it that that really speaks to you that that other people feel it because I know that in my in my day to day, you know, I have I'm someone who has trouble. It's not easy for me to like connect with people day to day. I'm not someone who has like a whatever. I don't hang out with millions of friends and that sort of thing. I just kind of do my own thing, do my work. So so it's been amazing to be able to like actually connect with people through this work and through these games uh, because I, I normally have more trouble doing so. Um, yeah, but that's all back to the thing of trying to trying to make it feel personal and trying to make it feel like it was about something that, that, that just felt, felt true to life to us and felt like it mattered, even though it's in this like fantastical uh, setting, you know, um, that's, that's the secret. Uh, the, the not so hidden secret is that if you're going to make a game in like a fantastical setting with weird characters and so on, it has to have like hu- humanity at the center of it to, to make you be able to, relate to what's going on otherwise it's just completely alien and it it won't it won't matter to you as much <laughs> something like right. that that's yeah i it's interesting that you mention regret because thinking thinking about it in that aspect i i've not seen many games kind of address that directly I think most time I play a video game and there's yeah. any kind of regret involved. Like you look at a game like Braid. I hate I hate to keep bringing that up, but that game was another fantastic game. That's that game is more about action. Or most of the time when regret is involved in a video game and a story, it's just about what action might action am I going to take from there on out. Yeah, it turns into a Bastion. You live with it. Yeah, you have to live with it through That's that right. whole game. Yeah, and we've we've kind of like um and and Pyre uh, was another game where very much that was kind of like a not not so much regret, but the idea of living with it is something that I think has we have um enjoyed yeah. continuing to explore thematically uh with our games. But yeah, the I I think part of it for Bastion was also that we we really didn't want we wanted to make sort of like an alternative to the traditional kind of power fantasy experience because like you said when there's like regret in the typical video game story it's used as a vehicle for revenge like um like uh, Sh- uh shadow of mordor the the um the lord of the rings the, it's an amazing game you know the setup is the the main character's you know family whatever bites the dust so now he's filled with righteous indignation and he's going to murder some orcs um and it's and it's <laughs> awesome um but 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 it's also like a fairly traditional uh, game story setup right so we're like we don't we we don't want to make these kind of in Bastion we we didn't want to make like a traditionally powerful character so he's this like kind of scrappy hard living kid uh we didn't want it to be about 
you, you know, with our affection for Diablo being what it is, it's like there's already Diablo. If you want to just feel powerful and deal like insane amounts of damage, there's an amazing game for you out there. So we have to make something that's different from that. Um, and, and this could be a game that's more about reflecting on... You, you can reflect on what you're doing in this game more than you might in a typical action game. That was, again, just part of our part of our thought process around like how do we make this you know actually feel like something um that 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 isn't just the same as everything else out there and that it kind of has is is interesting in its own right so that that was some of the some of the stuff that we we did try to explore so because even though you are going around and fighting stuff and breaking stuff we're like let's have this narrative context where we're making you uh sort of um we're making you consider that um, and the narrator is often speaking about the speaking for the point of view of the things that you're fighting in that game or the things that you're destroying. Um, and so that was a really fun technique to employ, um, where uh, to, to to like make these really basic video gamey interactions suddenly feel more uh, potentially more um, uh, kind of weightier than than usual. Yeah, I love I love that that you guys made that choice at the end of the day to convey the story that you did in the way that it was told it's it's something that has stuck with me this whole time and I, i've never had an experience quite like it except with for sure transistor and pyre uh like i said that like you guys still have some of those elements throughout all three of your games but yeah there's nothing i've never played anything like bastion yeah, before you. or after. yeah i hope yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. I, I, I hope, uh, I, I, I well and truly hope that whatever we, whatever we have next in store, will, uh, will keep the streak uh, going for you. We, um, you know, each, of the, I think by now we've shown that we try to, we're very interested in trying to make something different. Um, with, we're, we try to keep things interesting and surprising for us in the hopes that, that, that translates well to folks who play whatever it is that that we make um but at the same time i think our games are made under kind of like a shared set of values that you know to the extent that the the atmosphere and the world building and all those aspects the the music and just kind of the uh, the the feel of the whole experience is going to be something that we so long as we are who we are i can't see us ever straying from those aspects of what we make whatever form the game itself um may may take so that's been really interesting for us over time to to discover that and yeah hopefully we will be able to keep going like that for a while longer and keep making keep making uh stuff that you know i'll be i'll be lucky to be able to keep talking about years later just just like in this conversation that's it's one of the highest uh, forms of praise really so thank you you're welcome and i i want to thank you and both Supergiant for making all three of the games you've made because they've been amazing journeys all on, each on their own. And I, I want to thank you for doing this interview with me because honestly, like I said, this is one of my favorite games of all time. It's kind of a dream come true for me to yeah, be able pleasure. to talk to someone, and especially you who worked on this game because the story is so damn good thank in you. this game. Yeah, thanks <laughs> a lot. Um, for any of the listeners who want to pick up Bastion for some reason, if you don't own this game, 
Shame on you. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. If you want to own this game, um, it's available everywhere. Pretty much everywhere. They just recently released it for the Nintendo Switch. You can get it on PlayStation 4, Xbox One. You can get it on Steam. Um, all the different all the different OSs. So if you want this game, not hard to find it. Please go out and play this game. Um, again, I want to thank Supergiant for making wonderful games. I want to thank you, Greg, again. Thank you so much for making time. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. And actually, I want to give you a few a few quick seconds. Do you, do you want to tell, are you able to tell the listener kind of um, the future of Supergiant? I know you guys just recently, just recently, last year, put out Pyre. Is, is there something you guys are working on now that you want to mention or anything like that? Or you uh, want to keep that under? Yeah, not, not in, not in, um, I, I, I would only... I would only note that we we've been we've been keeping every like I said before we're all still um we're all still keeping at it. Yeah, we 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 don't um you know, we just released Bastion for the Switch. We have Transistor for the Switch coming out um in just a few weeks, so we've been busy with stuff like that and and busy figuring out what's next uh, as well. Uh you know, with each of the games that we start to work on, we like to work on them in like kind of relative secrecy for a while just kind of like with the nature of our games being what they are where where the atmosphere and stuff really matters to us we don't like to we don't like to sort of show or say anything until we feel like we really have a handle on it uh in part because of how much things tend to evolve for us in the early days where we're just kind of going after um we're just exploring certain ideas and we don't know exactly where they're going to lead um so yeah we we're definitely uh keeping busy and really 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 uh excited actually uh, though uh, when when we will be able to share something it's 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 difficult to say uh right now but yeah we're we're you know we're super giant games on twitter and our website and all that stuff so we're not uh hopefully we're not too hard to find these days uh, keep an eye on us because uh, yeah we're we're not going to uh, we're not going to sort of we're not just uh living under a rock these days we're we're uh we're pretty i think we're we're pretty active so it's gonna yeah i i'll be really excited to see what i it it sounds strange because you would think that someone like me would just know exactly what we're doing but i think for us even for us who work there we often express a sense of excitement of like can't wait to see what we do next. It's like, wait a minute, shouldn't you know? But yeah. <laughs> but since since I work with, like I said, since I work with some of these people, like I don't, their their work continues to inspire me. So I just uh, I'm always excited to see what they what they come up with and keep trying to keep. We'll keep trying to do my part as well. So yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, that's great to hear. So you also heard it. Go buy Transistor for the Switch coming out in a few weeks. So. Thank you to the listener for listening, hanging out with us, and take care. Thank you. I want to thank you, the listener. I want to thank Greg for the excellent and fun interview. And I want to thank the Supergiant Games team for creating one of the best gaming experiences of my life. I want to end this episode with a quote from the narrator. Did anybody else survive? Sure enough, he finds another.
he finds me. All I tell him is to set that core on the monument there, then watch. And just like that, the bastion comes alive, starts growing again, growing stronger. Kids got to put its power to good use. Now the bastion can send him even farther into the wild unknown, the skyway. Now the kid can ride the wind to distant lands.